Hey guys, it's C.S. Joseph with csjoseph.life uh, doing another episode for season 17. Uh, just a couple episodes left for season 17. And uh, specifically, we're going to be talking about uh, trauma and how trauma affects the sort, uh, you know, affects the uh, four sides of the mind and how that uh, works out. Tonight is a live lecture because we've been basically saving season 17 for the live lectures for some reason and uh and as always with live lectures uh there's going to be a q a session at the end uh we also got a little bit of an extra uh resource uh to check out uh to discuss traumatic events etc and how it generally affects the uh, four sides of the mind a little bit of whiteboard in here as well uh but yeah uh thank you all for joining and uh if you guys have any questions i may uh answer it in a live chat or I may also uh, just, you guys could just save it for Q&A at the end. Uh, this episode will be made available as soon as it's done uh, to the public, etc. Uh, but anyway, um, before we can actually talk about specific kinds of trauma and the four sides of the mind, etc. Let's actually talk about uh, why we're talking about this and then talk about the how. Uh, like how does this actually work, etc. So why we're talking about this is that Season 17, we've been discussing uh, uh, each of the four sides of the mind, the ego, the subconscious, the unconscious, the superego, etc. And uh, we've also uh, been looking at um, how it manifests, uh, what are some of the bad things uh, people do, uh, or how deep they get within their sin nature, uh, etc. To that point... um, when it comes to the four sides of the mind, we've also been uh, looking into how uh, children, uh, it manifests in children and when they manifest and different life stages that people uh, uh, go through and everyone goes through. Like, for example, we've been talking about quarter life crisis, midlife crisis, three quarter life crisis, final life crisis, uh, the four stages of life, four different crises that occur uh, as a result of uh, people living. And it's usually because uh, a person has been ignoring a certain side of their mind or it hasn't exactly been um, developed enough and they haven't really been uh, doing a fulfilled uh, or a fulfilling life, etc. And that's typically that's typically what we've been discussing so far. But when you're looking at it uh, from uh, the, the trauma discussion comes in uh, when you're talking about extenuating circumstances. And this is really necessary because uh, we're going to be ending uh, season 17 with something a little bit special. And uh, I'm going to be doing more of a deep dive. Uh, I haven't decided if I'm just going to put it to season 18, but I think I'm actually going to keep it in season 17 like it's currently planned. I'm actually going to be going in really deep on shadow focus and also um, subconscious focus so that people can understand how cognitive uh, focus works. So we're going to actually look into the mechanics of that, how it happens, etc. But in order to even begin that discussion, we have to really discuss the extenuating circumstances, uh, also known as human nurture, that impacts human nature, which is basically the four sides of the mind, and how someone would effectively change over time. Uh, but really we're looking at like the, you know, why is this happening? Uh, and then we're looking at to, you know, what is happening and then the, how it's happening is going to be more for that discussion. 
So after this episode, and I believe this is episode 14 or 15 of season 17, if someone in the live chat can remind me which episode number we're in, because for some reason I was looking at my content delivery plan and I think I did an extra episode than I had intended uh, last uh, last month, um, mostly because I had to provide additional clarification. Uh, but uh, for this particular episode, like I said, you know, trauma is an example of an extenuating circumstance that impacts human nature. Therefore, it is a form of human nurture. We need to explore different kinds of trauma. And then uh, you guys could see like different kinds of trauma would put people into different sides of the mind or at least create cognitive focus, uh, etc. Potentially. Uh, there's also additional principles that we have to keep track of how brain chemistry changes, how the brain we rewires itself in various certain uh, uh, circumstances uh, to get through or deal with uh, trauma in life and how that can have direct impact on one's persona, etc. Uh, that could be anywhere from drug use or abuse, divorce, even war, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, also in a shell shock, etc. There's tons of different applications in this um, area. Oh, okay, so this is uh, episode 16, apparently. Well, great. <laughs> Thanks for uh, the heads up on that. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, also, real quick, don't forget, guys, uh, those of you that are here joining us for, um, you know, the, the pre-release of this particular lecture, uh, understand that uh, we are moving away from Patreon. So make sure that you delete your Patreon uh, uh uh, membership to us um, so that your account status is deleted on Patreon. And then on the first of next month, make sure you become a member. Uh, that way, because everyone who is a member, a gold member on the first will be able to keep season 14, episodes one through eight, and all of season 19 uh, available to them. Anyone new after that date will not be able to keep uh, those lectures uh, because those lectures will be uh, made available in different ways in the future, but they will not be readily accessible and they'll be broken up to tiny pieces. So who knows uh, if anyone will be able to get them all again. So make sure you guys have that handled. Also, a couple of additional changes. We're going to be changing how the Silver Q&A works. Silver Q&A, um, we're going to have you guys post your questions as comments inside of our membership login and no longer in Discord. We're actually going to be moving the entire member section off of Discord and moving it directly into the membership. And uh, we'll be sending out email reminders ahead of time to make sure that you guys are there. Or if you guys want to make sure that you're getting the notifications, I always send out a notification on Discord anyway, regardless of it being a member's area or not. We had to make this decision uh, because uh, one of the bots that we have was not exactly assigning roles like we thought he would. So we're just going to move all of the questions into the membership. We're going to create a new membership post specific for the Q&A every month where you guys can put all of your questions there ahead of time. And any questions that have been given to us in our Q&A channel on Discord, those will still carry over to the next one and I'll still use them up uh, in there just so you guys know. Uh, but yes, uh, Patreon is done. We will not be posting any new content uh, on Patreon for the month of June. If you want to make sure that you're going to keep your Patreon perks, head over to csjoseph.life forward slash members. I'll give you guys another reminder towards the end of the show, but it's very important that you guys get this handled. Um, and uh, so make sure that your account is deleted on Patreon and then create a new account on members, etc. 
We've been handling people who got a little bit confused and had some refunds. If you had some issues there, just open a support ticket and we'll get you some help. So anyway, had to get through that. Um, but yeah, let's 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 talk about what we're supposed to talk about here, and that is trauma. So remember, folks, we've been discussing. Uh, let me get my whiteboard here, actually. Um, so, and uh, according to ER, this is season 17, episode 16. And I'm going to put that up here. And uh, gosh, I hope he's correct, or this is going to be really embarrassing. I thought it was episode 15 for some reason. Um, anyway, uh, and then uh, how trauma impacts uh, or affects, just say impacts because it kind of has a better ring. Uh, the four sides. Awesome. And I'm going to draw a brain here for a visual experience. All right, so let me get my camera set up here. And we are now off to the races. Awesome. Okay. So we have the four sides of the mind. Okay. Then we have... The ego is subconscious. Oops. Uh, the unconscious and the super ego. Okay. So, basic four sides of the mind. Awesome, we have them here. Uh, but the issue that we're coming to, that we're trying to basically make everyone know, is that don't forget, this is still considered nature okay so this is nature uh but what impacts this uh what impacts the human nature uh at this point well there's a lot that impacts it you also have nurture as well impacting it so we'll put nature here nurture there and uh so obviously we know that nurture plays a big role in personality and like i said previously you know just for a little bit of review uh the human mind is basically a venn diagram which is like this it's two circles like this and you have nature and you have nurture and then you have a human in the center right and this basically creates a human being right uh, obviously there's still the the environmental uh, thing below it the circle underneath it for environment and then there's also spirituality for the circle above it etc which actually it's like a four circle venn diagram but we're just going to use nature versus nurture here and nurture nurture can come from all kinds of sources and uh, but nurture can be positive it can also be negative um, we're going to be kind of focusing a little bit on the negative uh, with this particular episode because it's you know very trauma related people are like you know trying to talk to me about you know how uh you know hey i have border portion i have borderline personality disorder or this person is bipolar or this person is narcissistic or they're pretty high on dark triad etc i i really want to get this audience to just get away from those kinds of labels and understand that that's not really what we're trying to do I, I would rather I would rather get us closer to root cause analysis of a particular uh, situation. I was actually uh, coaching someone earlier today, and uh, they were kind of like a little bit astonished when I actually got you know we I did a root cause analysis on the kinds of traumas that they were facing in their life, and I identified the specific 
trauma that basically effectively put them over the edge. And they're like, wait a minute, how did you know about that? And I'm like, I just know. It's just logic, and I have extrovert intuition hero. I mean, come on, you know what I'm saying? But the point is, is that I was able to identify the specific trauma that he was dealing with that was causing some of his poor behavior, as well as some of his poor experience within his life, because he's in the middle, or he's like in the process, he's in the middle of mid of quarter life crisis, effectively. And uh, we created an action plan to help him get out of quarter life crisis. And uh, you know, this is this is necessary, but in order to actually be able to create any kind of action plan for yourself or for others to be able to provide advice in this particular situation, you really have to understand what the root cause is of, you know, what the problem. And oftentimes, you know, as much as people spend so much time looking at everyone's, you know, uh, individual uh, six, uh, one of the 16 types, you know, what are the four sides of the mind say with the cognitive functions. And then all of a sudden in comes, guess what? You know, you guessed it. In comes the magic rainbow, the magic rainbow known as stereotypes. Uh, and these stereotypes are constantly utilized by everybody within the MBTI blogosphere to either describe somebody of a certain nature or describe a cognitive function or describe one of the 16 types. And uh, they end up just labeling people instead of actually caring enough to figure out what the actual problem that's going on. And it's because, you know, they're not, they're not delving into, you know, potential science and studies. They're not delving into philosophy. They're not delving into what makes, you know, what makes a man or what makes a woman. What's the mature masculine? What's the mature feminine? They're not looking at king, warrior, magician, lover like we do. They're not looking at uh, queen, uh, mother, matron, lover as we, as we, uh, as we do. And this is a, this is a serious problem. And, uh, you know, based on that, I have to I have to stress that you know quite frankly the MBTI blogosphere or the MBTI community or anyone that cares about Jungian analytical psychology they're so nature centric that they almost completely ignore nurture and how nurture impacts the four sides of the mind or how nurture impacts nature such that the stereotypes end up becoming these giant ass excuses that everyone relies on to explain their behavior. How many times have you guys like come into contact with people who are using their type as like a crutch? you know, to, to explain their behavior and just be like, okay, yeah, that's my behavior. And it's like, okay, well, hold on though. Is that an immature behavior or is that a mature behavior? Are you behaving that way because you're developed or are you behaving that way because you're mature? Like what, which is it? And can you act and, and, uh, you know, and here's the thing though, like if, even if I label somebody immature because I believe their behavior is immature, but if they take the time to explain why they're behaving that way, and then I realize, well, that's actually a mature point of view, I changed my point of view and it's like, okay, yeah, that guy's actually being mature and I need to adjust my stereotype of his nature. We judge way too many people based on stereotypes. This is one of the reasons why some people would rather be an INTJ than an INTP or an INFJ instead of an INFP because stereotypes end up becoming this huge problem. And, uh, you know, oftentimes the MBTI community is trying to use, or Jungian analytical psychology or the Jungian community is trying to use stereotypes instead of archetypes to explain nurture. See, that's the problem. Uh, it's a huge problem. And oftentimes we end up having stereotyping becoming the master of the situation instead of, you know, actually figuring out what the root cause of the problem. 
So just keep that in mind, guys. Stereotypes ends up becoming a serious issue that gets in the way of allowing someone to understand who they are, forgive themselves, love who they are, so that they can eventually understand, forgive, and love other people. Stereotypes are inhibiting people from having really good relationships with each other. But of course, the social moratorium of the internet actually provides an opportunity for stereotypes to be utilized on a regular basis. And again, this creates nothing more than ignorance. It also creates hurt feelings. Uh, it also, you know, we end up communicating in labels instead of actually understanding because we're outsourcing our thinking. We're outsourcing our understanding to the stereotypes instead of actually figuring out what's going on. Which means, as much as human beings try to claim that they understand human nature, which they may, they really have no idea what human nurture is because they're often trying to explain human nurture through stereotypes. Because it's like, okay, hey, this particular type typically behaves like this. And, okay, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, talking about how, um, you know, there's, there's, a, like, there's a stereotype about INFJs and how INFJs are the most likely of all the types to be cheating hoes, you know, for example. Well, that's a huge stereotype. Although that stereotypes, you know, like uh, ESTPs with their nymphomania vice could easily challenge that. You know what I'm saying? So again, stereotyping is a serious issue, and you know this is why, because this is the results that we get. We end up misjudging people, and in fact, the MBTI community and Jungians are also uh, guilty of mistyping people because of stereotypes, right? So the point is, is that you know, in order to really understand human nurture or to come to a fundamental understanding of human nurture, you have to actually abandon all the stereotypes. You have to abandon them completely. Now, stereotypes could be like landmarks or these things that may point to certain things. But again, you have to keep stereotypes in the area of correlation, not causation. And that's the problem, ultimately. The best way I could describe it when it comes to stereotypes, when it comes to uh, Jungian analytical psychology, is that people often are typing others via stereotypes and uh, based on that, you know, they, they end up creating ignorance. They end up creating a, a, a causation or a confirmation bias, okay, because of that. For example, as recently on the uh, Benjamin uh, Sadiq, Sadik? I, I don't know how to say his surname. I was on a show recently, and uh, I, he, he, he typed me as an ENFP, even though he wouldn't admit it, which is similar to like, you know, the flow state typing. I mean, everyone claims I'm an ENFP. And, uh, but then they also had people in their comment section claiming that I was an ESFJ. And, and it's just, and you could see in the comments, they're just relying on these heavy stereotypes and not actually understanding. They're not taking into account cognitive transition. They're not taking into account cognitive focus. There is a huge disconnect between what these what these armchair uh, typologists or typists or uh, armchair psychologists uh, in the comments of his channel are actually doing, and you know that's pretty sad. You know it is what it is. I I mean I totally get that, but you know then again you know it's I can't stop that. I can't stop people from using stereotypes, but stereotypes are very easy, right? And you know like I. I have a lot of trauma in my life and as much as any human being has trauma in life, but we need to make sure that we're not utilizing stereotypes as a way to type somebody uh, because it's ignoring how trauma or nurture has impacted their nature. 
And one of the ways that we could like, you know, one of the ways that we could measure this is looking at, okay, is this person cognitive transitioning right now? Is this person having a form of, um, are they cognitive focused? Like, is that, where is their cognitive focus? What four sides of the mind do they favor the most in, in a social situation or when they're alone, you know? Uh, because, for example, you know how, you know, some people prefer to eat with a spoon or sometimes per, uh, people prefer to eat with a fork in a certain situation? You actually can use one of the four sides of the mind uh, to be the preferred go-to side of the mind to handle a particular task or a particular situation. And that is a subform of cognitive focus, right? Now, people could be cognitive focused generally, but you can also utilize cognitive focus for specific tax, tasks or obstacles in life. And that's when things can get really, really tricky. This is why, you know, the MBTI letter dichotomies are absolutely a waste of time because the MBTI letter dichotomies, quite frankly, are nothing more than typing people via stereotypes. It's an absolute waste of time. Why would you do it? You know what I'm saying? So don't do it. There's no point. Um, so, so yes, I, yes, I'm harping on stereotypes here, but I just, I need to lay down this foundation so you guys understand where I'm going with this. All right. So. Anyway, back to trauma. So there's a lot of different kinds of trauma uh, that uh, people uh, end up suffering in their lives. Uh, I, I've had plenty of trauma. People that I've coached in my coaching practice, I have a huge amount of trauma. Every human being has a different form of trauma. And not only that, every single human being has uh, is affected differently by the same trauma because what really, really, really bothers an INFP is not really, really, really going to bother an ENTP. You know what I'm saying? There's there's differences. And a lot of people don't understand these. And they're quick to use the stereotypes in an attempt to understand. But again, the stereotypes is nothing more than lazy outsourcing of one's thinking. Instead of actually coming to an understanding, they are relying on correlation instead of causation. So let's talk about causation. What are some of the human neutral causes that may cause somebody to have a different cognitive focus or may actually cognitive transition in particular times when they're like trying to maybe protect their ego, for example. And it's not really that they're trying to protect their ego. They may be trying to protect their child function. They may be trying to protect their inferior function. Almost always it's protecting their inferior function, but every now and then they're protecting their child function. And whether or not the parent function there is actually developed enough to do it. I actually, uh, I mentioned earlier today, but I'll mention it here again. Uh, the If the parent function is underdeveloped, what defends the infant? What defends the inferior function? Obviously, the parent f function is supposed to be there for the child function. But if the parent function is not there for the child, the hero can actually be there for the child, which is cool. It, it's nice. Obviously, it's the parent's responsibility, but sometimes the parent, the when the parent's not not home, the hero is kind of left to take over. And you all, you've all seen those, uh, uh, you know, those movies like like John Cena or uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, becoming a babysitter, and the parent's not home. You know what I'm saying? It's that entire motif, that's that entire uh, trope or archetype when it comes to uh, you know media or movies or stories. That we tell it's the same kind of story being told you know kindergartner cop you know what i'm saying it's the same it's it's the same approach right 
these big, strong heroes all of a sudden are put in charge of children and they just kind of don't know what to do, but somehow they get through it. You know what I'm saying? It's the parent's job. It's not the job of the hero. But when the parent's not home, the hero protects the child function. But what protects the infant? You think the hero is going to protect the infant? The infant's on an axis with the hero. Well, that's not going to happen. That's really not going to happen at all. So what ends up happening is something different. I know we haven't talked about cognitive orbit officially, uh, but I'll be talking about it more in depth in season 18. But an example of cognitive orbit in this case is, is that if the cognitive axis is unavailable because it's working on the child. If the parent is not available to protect the infant, who else is available to protect the infant? Well, the cognitive orbit of the infant. And guess what, folks? That's the demon function. That's why when the inferior function is hit, nine times out of the ten, people respond with the full fury of their demon to protect their inferior function, right? And that usually comes as a result of trauma. Trauma. Because the parent function is not there to help a person's mind actually combat the trauma and uh, just like a, an, an, a fully developed adult would. Because when you're cognitive looping, you know, like just like how Dave Superpower calls them jumpers, but when you're cognitive looping, meaning your, your parent function is underdeveloped, your parent function is underdeveloped in that particular time, and, uh, you know, the hero is there with the child and they're doing all sorts of things. It's kind of like how, you know, like with an INTP, it's that like, Oh, it's true that I want to experience this. It's true I want to taste this. It's true I want to watch this. It's true I want to binge this. It's true this. It's true that. And they end up becoming hedonists. You know, INPs, when they're cognitive looping, become hedonists. And they're very hedonistic compared to other INPs. What happens when trauma comes? What happens to their nature when trauma comes? Well, they end up, uh, the parent's not there to deal with that trauma, basically, because the parent, it's responsible uh, the hero, and, and then, so it's like the hero's job. Okay, hero, are you going to be able to handle this uh, this new obstacle in life? Are you going to be able to handle this trauma? Well, the hero may or may not be able to deal with it. And nine times out of ten, if the parent function is not there, the hero is distracted with having to care for the child. And they're not going to be able to handle it. And while the hero is distracted to care of the child, it ain't take care of the infant. It ain't taking care of the, uh, the inferior function. So who's taking care of the inferior function? Well, guess what, folks? The demon. The demon ends up taking care of the infant. It's because the demonic infant. It's a cognitive orbit, right? This is why when the inferior function gets hit, it creates hatred in other people. And that is stopped or prevented through two ways. One, having the parent function developed so the parent can also take, over, take care of the infant. Or if the parent function is not able to take care of the infant, the infant is able to grow into its aspirational form via cognitive transition. And they and this person is strong enough to be able to cognitive transition into their subconscious to be able to deal with the traumatic event. You see what I'm saying? Okay. And when they're able to deal with that traumatic event, they don't have to rely on their demon function anymore. You see? So generating hatred and using your demon function, if you're going into your superego often... It, chances are you're at an early age or chances are you have yet to get through your quarter-life crisis. Chances are you have not developed your parent function yet. Chances are you have no concept of personal responsibility. Chances are your subconscious is super underdeveloped. You know, and, and just like what we're learning in, uh, in uh, the parenting season right now, which is season 23, and the next episode for season 23 drops on Thursday. It's already filmed, ready to go. It's nice. It's how to parent ESTJs, for example. 
you will learn awesome parenting techniques that apply not just to uh, ESTJs, but to like everybody, for example. But you will understand that, you know, parenting is absolutely critical. It, you're supposed to, in adolescence, you're supposed to develop your parent function. But, you know, how many people in adolescence actually develop a sense of personal responsibility with their parent function? It just doesn't happen. That's why they have like a second adolescence or a subdolescence, I guess, uh, that ends up happening. And that's why men, for example, statistically develop their parent function when they're 27, 28 years old. So between 25 and 28 years old, that's when their parent function becomes developed, basically. Now, it used to be that it was developed during adolescence, but not anymore, not in this culture, not since families and the nuclear family has outsourced the raising of their children to the state or outsourced the raising of their children to the government, right? Or to other people. Usually it's because both adults in the family have to work in order to earn money because the dollar has lost at least 93% of its value since the inception of the Federal Reserve, which has completely destroyed the family's ability to make any money. Inflation is insanely high. You can't buy as much food as you used to be able to buy with the dollar. Uh, you can't pay as much rent as you used to with, with the dollar. Therefore, you cannot raise a family with one person with one adult bringing in money. It used to be able to, like in the 1950s, you basically could do that. Uh, you could do that uh, even to a point in the 1960s. Things started going really down when the Vietnam War happened, basically when uh, uh, just after JFK was assassinated. That's when things started going down for the family. That's when the buying power went down. And that's when the destruction, the true destruction of the nuclear family started to actually occur because parents were forced to work and outsource their parenting to other people and the state and the government. And now there's this huge divide, you know, between uh, parents and children because how parents were taught in school when they were kids is not how their children are being taught in school and they are becoming even more reliant on the state and the government for parenting of children as a result. That's just a small little preview of what we're talking about in season 23. We go like super deep on all of the... Um, on all of these 16 types in there. And we already have the introduction to that season right now. But this is, uh, you know, pretty pretty necessary, uh, etc. And yes, as Lev says, yes, the internet, that's also, uh, it's also something there, you know, as well. Uh, but going further, uh, going a lot further. So knowing this, how is it possible that parents are able to, like, even parent their children appropriately in this particular situation? Well, it, it's, they, they really can't. We have this problem with stereotypes. We don't understand how different traumas are affecting the mind. We know that the parent function is supposed to be there specifically to help people get through trauma in their lives. When it's not, then nurture ends up taking a different course. And here's the thing. Let's say your parent function is not developed. Let's say uh, your hero is, is looping with a child because you're a jumper. But that's not actually like a real term, but fair enough, you know, uh, uh, the objective personality people, they describe it as a jumper, but all it is is just underdeveloped parent function. They haven't gone through quarter-life crisis. That's all there is to it. And when they finish quarter-life crisis, they have the auxiliary function developed. They have the parent function developed to at least combat nurture, and hopefully they have their inferior function developed. But wait a minute, where does the inferior function get its development? 
It actually gets its development from its family. It gets its development, it's supposed to get its development from early, early childhood. Because remember, the order with which the functions develop, folks, the hero function is first, followed by the child function. Why? Because the hero is the strongest optimistic function. The child is the second strongest optimistic function within the ego. The third function to develop is the inferior function. Why? Because it's on an axis with the hero. And it is a pessimistic function, although it's the lower the pessimistic functions, but that's how it is first. It's because it's on an axis of the hero. Therefore, the parent function develops fourth in the mind, okay? And the parent function is supposed to develop in adolescence, but it doesn't. Well, what develops that? If it develops in adolescence, then the inferior function technically would have to develop before the parent function. Really interesting, huh? Now tell me, Tell me if the family within Western society is conducive to the inferior function developing, right? If it's conducive to the inferior function developing in early childhood, because that's when it's supposed to develop. It's supposed to develop in early childhood. Your family, your parents are supposed to be aware of your inferior function such that they should be pushing you to develop your inferior function more than anything else in your life. They're not even supposed to be teaching you personal responsibility. That doesn't happen until adolescence. So before adolescence, you learn you should be developing and doing nothing but focusing on your inferior function. This is why children present as their subconscious until adolescence. This is literally why, okay? But a lot of people don't get that. A lot of people don't under don't understand that and that's it just continues to be an issue you know so how do you deal with trauma because when you look at Western society people's inferior functions are underdeveloped and if the inferior function is well developed in childhood guess what no midlife crisis you think Taylor Swift is gonna have a midlife crisis not really because she's developed she she developed her inferior function with the support of her family before she was even 10 years old. Do you guys understand that? Do you guys get that? So it's just that she didn't, she was not able to finish developing her parent function in adolescence because her parents let her get away with a lot because she was like this big singer. You see what I'm saying? So that's an issue. Yes, well, that also makes an argument, Lev, because Lev says, quote, uh, shit, I wonder if my growth was stunted by my parents who have no FE. And, you know, Lev is an ESTJ. He's an FI user. Good point. Well, look at it. Look at it this way. Um, there's a lot of lag on the audio. I'm sorry, guys. Is that how it is with everybody? Is the audio lagging for everyone? Not on your end? Okay, cool. Hit refresh. Hopefully it's, uh, it's okay. If that happens again, we'll try to uh, fix that for a future. Just guys, keep me, keep me an idea. Um, keep that uh, an eye on that for me. Try not to lose my train of thought because there's just so much to get out with, with this particular thing. So, you know, in Western society, the inferior function and the parent function is not developed before its time. And this is why we have quarter life crisis this is why we have midlife crisis. And, uh, and this is where your brain creates these crises to force you to develop. We talk about this in season 23 consistently and, and go even deeper. But 
the point is, um, the point is, I'm thank you all for confirming that for me. I appreciate that. The point is, is that when you're understanding trauma uh, and how it affects your nature, your nurture, if you are underdeveloped, guess what's going to happen? Uh, recently in the Ruby conferences, we talked about how to rewire your brain. Every time you cognitive transition, every time you use cognitive orbit, every time you're using your cognitive axes, every time you're cognitive looping, all these different techniques that's happening in your brain at all times, it creates and builds bridges inside of your brain, which ends up creating, you know, neural pathways, right, within your brain. And it, it could, uh, and it makes your brain stronger and more capable over time. It's effectively growing, right? Your brain is growing and you're developing your brain more and using more of your brain capacity over time, right? Okay, well, then, uh, you know, that's how it is. But here's the problem. If you are ending up using, because you are lacking in parent or inferior function development as a result of your childhood and your adolescence and you missed out on all that, and then all of a sudden you start having the trauma of life. Well, guess what happens? You're predisposed to using the power of your superego to solve your problems. You're predisposed to be using a hero child cognitive loop to solve your problems. And you wonder why your life sucks, right? It's because of the lack of parental support, quite frankly. This is why I'm so against fatherlessness, folks. Because fatherlessness creates ignorance, which creates you an inability to deal with trauma in life, which means you end up having your growth stunted and you're immature. This is why, uh, for example, um, in the state of California, uh, you're not really truly emancipated until you're 19 years old and people pay child support up through 19 years old, whereas other states it's 18. This is why uh, insurance, health insurance lasts until 26 years of age, right? This is why this happens, because our society is adapting to the fact that adolescence is being pushed more and more and more and more. This is why you end up having man children everywhere instead of men. And this is why women are consistently having to settle for lackluster men. And because they don't understand what a man is, mostly because their fathers also are dealing with the same problems and their fathers are dealing with the same problems because the nuclear family has been destroyed since the 1960s, therefore... Everyone is a man-child, and women just think men are weak in general. And this is why men are represented in TV and, and media as weak more so than women. Hashtag Star Wars. How weak was Kylo Ren compared to Rey, if you think about it? Even though he's like a super hardcore emo ENTP, and she's an INFJ Mary Sue, but whatever. Or you look at... Uh, uh, Jon Snow versus Daenerys Targaryen is another example, right? You have all these examples of weak men consistently, right? The concept, okay, ER says, I heard that the concept of teenagers originated in the 50s. Uh, yeah, actually, I think that's accurate. But we didn't really, but those, but those people in the 50s were having children in the 60s, and that's when things just completely went out of whack, right? Because, and I go more about this in season 23, talking about the generational archetypes according to which which of the cognitive functions is attached to which generation, right? And baby boomers are known as the child's function uh, generation. That's why you have, you know, Woodstock in the 60s, et cetera, they're the child function. Gen X is the inferior, 
That's why they're insanely depraved. That, that's why people consider Gen X, uh, Gen Xers really depraved with all those Cheetos and Doritos that they love eating all the time, for example. Um, oh yeah, the droid. Thank you for pointing that out, uh, Lev. But the point is, parenting ends up becoming an issue. Now, again, I talk about this often, but Christopher Ryan uh, and Cecilia Gethro in their book, their magnum opus, Sex at Dawn, actually talks about the power of shared parental responsibility. And it used to be, it used to be a long time ago in ancient times that there was a such thing as shared parental responsibility. On the feminine side, you'd have wet nursing and females would utilize wet nursing as, as their own form of birth control, for example. That's documented fact, look that up. A lot of people out there say that that doesn't always work. And uh, yeah, okay, I could see that. But then again, you know, your breasts have to, you have to be breastfeeding for a certain amount of time in order for, you know, for you to stop like having your periods, etc. And hopefully you're not eating horrible foods that's giving you hormone imbalances to begin with. But, you know, back then when there wasn't uh, manufactured foods, uh, it, it, it was a lot different. You see what I'm saying? But the point is, is that uh, families had shared parental responsibility. And if they didn't have shared parental responsibility, they would still have their elders living with them and dwelling with them in their villages and their homes. So they had access to grandparents and aunts and uncles to help share in the responsibility of parenting children. And it was not all on the responsibility of the two parents that created and birthed those children, right? Which... They don't have enough buying power to have any time to be with their children and their children are being raised by the state instead. You see what I'm saying? So yes, millennials are the hero function. Yes. And Gen Z is the parent function. Good luck convincing a Gen Z of anything. They're so pessimistic and there's a reason for it. You know. Also, don't you think it's interesting, speaking of generations, that Jesus said that this generation will not pass until these until these things, aka the end of the world, come to pass. You know, a generation according to the Bible is about 70, 80 years, and the 80th anniversary of, um, or like the 70th anniversary of, um, um, or of um, Israel becoming a nation just happened recently. Really cool stuff. If you want to look into generational biblical prophecies, sometime, kind of it's a nice little mind bender. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, the point is, folks. You guys have to really be aware of how trauma affects nurture in this regard. Now, let's actually, uh, uh, 1996 is Gen Z. 1996 is Gen Z, uh, Amanda. Um, so, but uh, Zoomer, <laughs> okay, that's an interesting thing. Uh, yes, multi-generational, thank you, Stardust, thank you. Multi-generational homes was the way for generations. Yes. And actually, uh, my wife actually brought up some statistics with me recently. And uh, also, like, um, you know, having grandparents living with you and your elders living with you also kind of means your teenagers aren't going off or inviting random, uh, like, your, like your teenage daughter is not ra uh, inviting random guys to your house when you're out, when you and your husband are out working, for example, and she's having sex with these guys that she met on Discord, and you have no freaking clue. That's why there's some advantages to having elders live with you in your own home. It also helps you have more time, etc. It's kind of like a big deal. You know, oh, oh, she has something to say about that. Also, um, there's such a Louder. thing. There's such a thing as blue zones. Look it up. It's basically places on the earth where people live the longest, 
and people who have like a religion and all that other stuff uh but also people who have their elders living with them are like that's the most common thing with people living in blue zones blue zones mean that like those are like nine spots in the world where people live the longest like to like 90 or 100 it's really common in those blue zones and they have their elders live with them all the time i mean it's really stress-free free babysitting free this free that you know it is why wouldn't you do that you know um like it's why wouldn't you I, I i am not against having you know elders live with me in my own home like come on it's it's a good thing you know and before then it used to be a very tribal shared parental responsibility where you go to tribes and you'd ask a child in the tribes okay who is your father and he's like well i have all my fathers here with me you see what i'm saying there's huge advantages there and children gave the advantage of being taught by so many people. This would allow them to develop their inferior function in their childhood and when they hit adolescence, develop their parent functions so that they could actually deal with trauma. But And then thus the human nurture would not impact their nature in such a negative way and cause a lot of negative problems. Well, it goes on. It goes on. Let's go a little bit deeper here. So let's get back into this. Uh, and I believe I have this. So we're going to go into healthline.com uh, because as a nice little uh, description of traumatic events, let's go through different traumatic events that people go through typically in their life, right? Well, death of a family member. That's the most traumatic event. Absolutely, hands down, is the most traumatic event. And these these things seem to be um, these seem to be in like uh, uh, in order of severity from most severe to last severe. Although that's really subjective. Um, but uh, and it, and obviously each of the individual types would uh, would uh, you know have their own opinion on that or their own experience on that or their own way of seeing this. But death of the family, for example, divorce. Divorce is oftentimes like reduced to something that's not as bad as other things. But divorce actually probably is the second most uh, biggest traumatic thing that could happen to a family. Unless you're, of course, my wife who constantly tells me that one of the greatest things that's ever happened to her is her parents divorcing. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and actually helped her out quite well. Oh. Yeah, because I was like, you know what? Like, Louder. you guys are just... Louder. Oh. I was like, I always saw my parents fighting, and I'm like, okay, like, you need to stop pretending that this is working. And I was three when I said that. Like, <laughs> wow. stop it. I'm Michael Jordan. Stop it. Get some help. Get some help. So, yeah. Uh, so, there's physical pain or injury. Um, and if it's head trauma, that can go even further. Serious illness, war, natural disasters, terrorism... Moving to a new location, which is really hard on SI child and SI inferior types. Uh, parental abandonment, which is really hard on SE child and SI uh, and uh, SE inferior types. Witnessing a death, that's extremely difficult for FI hero types uh, and FI parent types. Um, it just really screws with their sympathies and also embitters their lower FE functions. Um, rape is just terrifying, uh, in all, and I don't know why molestation is not here as well, but I guess we'll just put that under rape, uh, domestic abuse, uh, notice how divorce is rated higher than domestic abuse. That's interesting. Uh, being in prison that it absolutely destroys NI child and NI inferior as well. Huge traumatic events. 
Well, according to this, how do people respond to traumatic events? Okay, so here's, uh, here's how things happen. Irritability, right? I get pretty irritable when I have to uh, deal with things that are similar to issues. Sudden and dramatic mood changes, I do that. Anxiety and nervousness, I don't really have that much of an issue um, uh, with anxiety for myself personally. And this is just the perspective of me as an ENTP, you know what I'm saying? Ooh, as an ENTP, oh, Mr. C.S. Jill, are you starting to like say as an ENTP? No, I don't care about that. Anger, I don't really get that much angry, but I get very vengeful. Um, denial, not really my thing, but that's what FI most FI users out there deal with denial more than TI users. One of the additional arguments that I make about the fact that TI users are more authentic than FI users because FI users are more likely to have a problem with denial than TI users, okay? And by the way, uh, Mr. ESTP Super Ego, I saw your statement that you made recently in the members Q&A channel talking about how you disagree with me that FI is more authentic than TI, and I think that's just utterly ridiculous. If, T if FI was not based on beliefs, because oftentimes I've witnessed FI users more so than TI users actually change themselves based on present company uh, to put on a perception for present company, that doesn't exactly tell me they're going to hang on to their values for that moment and be honest about how they feel honest with, you know, in front of others. Now, they're not really actually going to do that, which means there's technically a higher percentage of inauthenticity than there is with a TI user because a TI user is more than likely to tell the truth regardless of the consequences. And therefore, I have no choice but to continue to maintain that a TI user is technically more authentic than an FI user. Sorry, it just is what it is, bro. Flashbacks or repeated memories of the event. I have those all the time. Actually, I get, I have uh, flashbacks is probably the worst thing for me personally as an SI inferior. I have serious flashbacks all the time. I'll start, I'll make a random noise or I will shake in a certain way. And my wife's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm just reliving an old memory, you know, or, um, or uh, uh, I'll actually like start speaking uh, old lines of dialogue from those traumatic events as I'm reliving those traumatic events, right? Uh, difficulty concentrating is there uh, that, um, that really destroys SE users and that alters sleeping or insomnia. I have a problem with that. Changes in appetite. My wife has issues with that. I don't really as much. Um, intense fear that the traumatic uh, event will reoccur, particularly around anniversaries of the event. Yes, I have, I, I have that as well. That's why the month of February is always so hard for me because it's like my birthday and Valentine's Day and the anniversary of the death of my daughter in the same month. And, uh, and it's like back to back to back every week. And it just absolutely screws with me. I have a lot of bad memories associated with Valentine's Day. And uh, I have similar uh, rough memories associated with my birthday. And obviously, uh, the death of my first child uh, was also a problem, you know, in there. Not very many people know that I have that, uh, have that, carry that pain with me, but I just do. And, you know, and I remember, um, I remember Kira, that was her name, uh, uh, every, every year on, on that date. And then, uh, and then withdrawal from and isolation from day-to-day -day activities, um, physical symptoms of stress, such as headaches and nausea. I mean, that did happen to me one time, but not really. Worsening of an existing medical condition. This is actually something that my wife maintains is one of my main issues right now. 
uh, because she's saying that the fact that I'm not able to let go some of the pain or issues in the uh, of my past, it's actually making my medical condition that I have worse. And she's saying like, if I actually let go of that, then I'll actually be able to, you know, reach healing. And uh, I've, I've actually been trying, you know, some of my wife's recommendations in that area recently, because, you know, listening to her INFJ subconscious teach me about that. And it's like, you know, I have no reason to not listen to her. And it's not like anything I've done before has actually helped me. So what I need to do is just actually get over myself and humble myself and actually listen to what she's saying, right, in that particular moment. And I'll be, I'll be, to be fair, every time I've followed her advice in this area, it has gotten better for me over time. I just have to get into more of a habit. But that's the key, folks, habit. For SI users, habit is a big deal. It's harder for SE users. See, SE users, when it comes to trauma, at least an SE user can get rid of all of the totems, all of the reminders of that trauma in their life and basically effectively wipe the trauma away. But then again, because those totems are gone, the SE user can get away with not developing their parent, not developing their inferior function, and allowing trauma to repeat itself because they have all those neural pathways, the wiring of their brain already predisposed to allow for um, uh, responding to trauma in a terrible way in the future. That's a serious problem, right? An SI user, however, they end up potentially retaining bad habits as a result of that trauma, and it will take a lot longer to deprogram that from them uh, from that either. But again, this is like a difference between the tortoise and the hare. SE users are more closer to the hare or the rabbit, whereas SI users are closer to the tortoise, which means over time, the tortoise is actually guaranteed to eventually get over it as long as they don't give up. Whereas when it comes to trauma, it's a lot harder for an SE user to do that. And they usually need the assistance of another SI user to just constantly, you know, be there and endure and persevere for them so that the SI user could basically mirror that person so that they could actually reach healing in their lives as well. Anyway, the bottom line is these are all different fruits that end up happening as a result of trauma in your life. And these are the results of trauma happening and you not having your parent function developed or your inferior function developed to be able to handle these problems in your life. This is where this comes from. Because guess what? Everybody has to deal with traumatic events like these. Everybody. But people deal with them differently. Can you make him be quiet or something? Oh, oh I see what you're saying. Oh, okay. The dog uh, is upset that uh, he's missing out on the show right now. Quite frankly, yep, he's fed. I exercised him, and I was. We even gave him a new. Uh, we even gave him a new nickname. We now have nicknamed him Rumpus. Yeah, like <laughs> I literally sat in the living room for a while, and he was fine. But then when I left the living room, he's upset. Yeah, he gets like he has like this severe like loneliness complex sometimes, but we can't let him out of his crate as a puppy because then he just decides to pee everywhere, yeah. and that's not appropriate either. And he still hasn't figured out that peeing is going outside and not inside yet. So, but anyway, like I said, everyone has these traumatic events, but if you have your parent and your inferior function developed, you can actually deal with them in a very healthy way. Otherwise, you're going to have these unhealthy results and these unhealthy results will keep happening because you're underdeveloped but chances are you live in western society 
and your parents have outsourced your parenting and your raising to the state or to the government or to other people, right? And uh, that aren't your family, that aren't your tribe, essentially. And uh, uh, because of that, um, you want to know where nativism comes from. It comes from actually having uh, families, uh, multi-generational families and traditions and everything. You want to know where healthy eating comes from, multi-generational homes. You see what I'm saying? There's far more advantages to having a multi-generational home than not. Like, it's ridiculous to not have one. You really should consider it, okay? But in Western society, if you don't have your parent function or your inferior function developed, not only will you exhibit these symptoms of being able to unhealthily cope with trauma in your life and having negative uh, human nurture, guess what? You're going to create patterns of repeated behaviors where every time you have to deal with any kind of trauma, you're going to have a, uh, you're gonna, you're gonna end up having a pattern of reacting to that trauma in these, in these ways with depression, denial, anger, flashbacks, these kinds of things, or better yet. You're going to become so underdeveloped that you're going, the people that you raise, the children you raise, or the people that you affect, you are going to export human nurture from yourselves, and you're going to be nurturing people incorrectly, and they themselves are going to be recreating the same problems. You ever heard of generational sin? That's where it comes from. So all of the patterns of behavior that you inherited from your parents and the coping skills you inherited from other people, especially your parents, especially your family, especially this society as a whole, guess what? You're going to pass it on to the next generation. Do you know why? Because you don't know how to teach a child how to deal with adolescence. You don't know how to teach a child to develop their inferior. You don't know because you didn't. Because you don't know and because you did not, how are they going to know? Therefore, it becomes a continuation of nurture-based generational sin that will just keep going on and on and on and on. And you can't stop it. Unless you're that one rare person who's always crawling out of the muck because guess what? Life sucks. Get over it. That's just how it works. And you can either follow the beaten path that your parents laid out for you or you can just, you know, crawl through the shit like everybody else and try to get out. You could try to actually make it work. You could try. You could actually try to develop your own parent function. You could try to develop your own inferior function. You can recognize your responsibility as a parent to make sure you're doing that for your children as well. All because of trauma. You see what I'm saying? All because of trauma. And here's the other thing. Here's an additional side effect. If you don't do this, guess what's going to happen, folks? Guess what's going to happen? Your child's will become subconscious focused or unconscious focused. And they will end up preferring to be one or the other. For me, I was unconscious focused. That was for me. I'm still struggling with my subconscious focus to this very day. Thank God I'm married to an SE hero. Thank God I'm married to my wife because she's able to help me develop my introverted sensing inferior to try to get me into my ISFJ subconscious in a healthy way instead of an unhealthy way, which is what I've been used to my entire life. You know what I'm saying? This ends up becoming a problem, right? So the point is, like, just understand, you know, like, this happens consistently. This, uh, 
these issues are, are problems that we have, you know, throughout life. But hey, you know, we, as a society, we should just label people with stereotypes and label them with borderline personality disorder or narcissism or or psychom, you know, psych, psychometry or they're, they're psychotic or they're having a psychotic break. No, you're just a really bad parent, actually. You know, how about taking responsibility? You know, maybe using this and holding your parents responsible when you have developed yourself enough to actually have your parent function and your child function. You can't just go up to your parents right now and be like, you did this, you did this, you know, hold them accountable if you haven't even figured out the work yourself. Maybe you should figure out that work too. Maybe then you can have an opportunity to help your parents finish their development. Besides, it's the responsibility of children to get your parents their three-quarter life crisis anyway. Hashtag, maybe that's what they get in return for having a multi-generational home. Because let me tell you something, folks. Parents can't get through three-quarter life crisis well without having a family around them. Or at least having someone around them to help them get through it. Because it's hard. It's rough. Three-quarter life crisis is really rough. See what I'm saying, folks? That's how this works. Okay? So trauma impacts the four sides of the mind in these major ways. And it ends up creating unhealthy trauma habits if people are underdeveloped in their parent function, which is supposed to be developed in adolescence, or and or their inferior function, which is supposed to be developed in their early childhood leading up to adolescence. All of the years leading up to adolescence. That was their inferior development. That's why children present as, they present as, uh, as those. And trauma, if, if those are undeveloped, they create trauma habits. It creates generational sin. It makes the, uh, it's the cycle even worse. And people are not able to get through it within their life. You know, and then we end up having all those bad uh, trauma habits like depression, etc. Becoming a serious issue. And no wonder psych wards are full. This is exactly what's happening on a regular basis. And instead, we want to attach these stereotypes like ADD, ADHD, BPD, bipolar disorder, all this crap that we want to label people with instead of actually understanding who they are fundamentally and giving them what they actually need. Nice. Don't forget, it's not just the responsibility of their parents, their grandparents, or their family to raise young people. It's everybody's responsibility to raise young people. Because the fact of the matter is, if you know what good you ought to do, but you don't do it, you sin. What does that mean? That means if you see someone misbehaving in a store and they're like pretty young, criticize them. Criticize them in front of their parents. It'll also be a nice lesson for their parents too because their parents obviously don't know what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, but Mr. C.S. Joseph, what gives you the right to judge people that way? And it's like, it's not about judging, it's about helping. And you can't help someone unless you're willing to tell them the truth to their face. That's just the reality of the situation. You know what I'm saying, folks? You just got to do that. How about you FI users be, you know, a little bit more authentic, right? Like you claim you are and tell these people exactly how you feel about their crying, screaming children when they're at the store. You know what I'm saying? I can actually honestly say my ISTJ brother-in-law, I listened to him yell at a woman uh, in public because her son was misbehaving. It was amazing. You know, yeah, she tried to fight him back and tell him he was wrong, and I'm like, and then he kept going and going and going, and I'm like, that's right. Si Si hero does not stop. <laughs> it was it was an amazing thing. It was an amazing thing, folks. Anyway, the bottom line is, make sure 
that you yourselves are going out of your way to develop your parent and inferior functions as quickly as possible so you have the mental tools to get through trauma so you don't end up developing these trauma habits within the four sides of your mind so you're not kind of transitioning because of trauma that you are not uh, having those uh, um, that you're not using your demon function or cognitive orbit for those trauma all these things that we talked about that you're not uh, that you're also not believing in the stereotypes yourself that you're not attaching yourself to this label of BPD when the reality of the situation is, it's just your nature is underdeveloped. That's all it is. Underdeveloped nature is creating these problems, not necessarily some rando psychiatry uh, labels, etc. You know what I'm saying? Sure, I'm sure there's tons of rational uh, studies and all this work going around it, but none of those things analyze human nature. They all look at human nurture. And here's the thing, if you don't know how to handle trauma, guess what? You will become trauma to somebody else, most likely your children, and then they will become a trauma and it just becomes a giant human nurture negativity uh, pyramid scheme that's literally destroying the entire race as we know it, all because you were not willing to take responsibility to meet your own needs and develop your own parent function and develop your, thus your personal responsibility and develop your own inferior function so that you can get over your insecurity, so that you can be a better person, folks. That's what this means. If you want to learn more about this, we go super deep into this content in Season 23. To get into Season 23, go to csjoseph.life forward slash members. Sign up for a gold membership. You can start watching the first episode. Episode 2 releases this week. You'll be all over that. All right? So now let's start Q&A. Okay, I'm going to take it out to Q&A, and let's go at it from there. So anyone... Uh, Anyone uh, in uh, the uh, live stream chat, uh, folks, we got uh, about 40 people here. If you have any questions relating to this particular lecture, uh, please uh, put it into the live stream chat and I will answer your questions now. Please keep it relating to this particular lecture, this lecture content, etc. Um, awesome. Let's see here. I don't want to say anything yet, so I'm going to drink my tea. Um, reverse social anxiety. Um, okay. Oh, Sarah Rushing says, How do you know you're stuck outside of your ego due to trauma? You mean cognitive focus due to trauma? A lot of the typing is about most of the time, but it seems like trauma can skew it so you might not be able to be sure of your ego. That's a really good question, Sarah. The thing is, is that when you're typing somebody, you can still rely on their primary behaviors, but you want to also compare when they're around people, when they're alone, when they're in one-on-one -on -one situations, when they're in an introverted situation, which is alone, or two to tango, but three's a crowd and above, that is extroversion. You want to see how they behave, you know, and then make comparisons. And that'll kind of give you, you know, just spend more time with them. You'll be able to kind of understand where they're at, and then you won't have to rely on stereotypes when you're typing somebody, okay? All right, uh, let's see, next question. We have Jennifer Mead. How do FI and TI demon express from traumatized individuals? Okay, so FI demon, for example, um, if someone is insanely traumatized, their ISFP will create a new construct, a new reality for them that they will basically live in and think that 
the areas of them uh, not being wanted and not being valued, for example, not being, this is like in terms of an INTP or in an ISFP where they're constantly being abandoned uh, or, or, um, or an ISTP, when they're being abandoned, but then also not valued at the same time. Uh, TI demon, you know, it depends on the type of CPU you go, it manifests in a different way and that could be a serious issue, right? So when this happens, uh, like the ISFP demon like creates this different reality and they, they think that uh, the normal rules of life no longer apply to them basically and they're free to kind of do whatever they want because it's like, well, no one wants me so I'm just do whatever I want. No one values me so I'm just gonna do what I value. That kind of, that kind of uh, reverse uh, polarity fix. Um, so that's kind of what happens. TI demon, it's the same kind of thing. It's just backwards essentially. John Bodine asks, is the pedagogue of your subconscious the best way to develop the aspirational function and your subconscious as a whole if you are unconscious focused? Uh, I don't know for sure, John, but I would say, like, if I was going to offer conjecture, I'd say yes. Uh, I think that's pretty logical and it makes a lot of sense. And from my own personal experience with my wife's INFJ subconscious, I would say that's pretty, pretty dope. Shmoney is in the house. I believe my child uh, prefers subconscious focused. As an ISFP, how do you recommend I go to my unconscious responsibly? Uh, refer to the content presented in season 19. Um, but uh, you also want to make sure that you're focusing on your, your critic function because developing your critic function via cognitive orbit also helps people develop their parent function. More on that in season 23. Season 23 answers that question. Um, Okay, uh, Jared Vaughn, do healthy people develop their subconscious and unconscious relatively equally? If you're using the label, Jared, of healthy, I have to say yes, but who is healthy? The label healthy is pretty subjective there. And sometimes based on like their parents, they, if they get lucky in Western society, if they get lucky with a parent that helps them develop their inferior function, that doesn't mean their parent function is going to be developed in adolescence and they still may will not be able to deal with trauma, right? Or it's the other way around. Their inferior function got crushed, uh, you know, in early childhood, but through adolescence, they're able to learn personal responsibility, you know, but again, they still struggle with trauma, right? I mean, an example of this uh, would be, uh, you know, Taylor Swift, uh, you know, she, she, didn't really develop personal responsibility pretty well with her adolescence and she's having those issues to this day just look at her music and all the people that all the men that she sleeps with and everyone that she makes a song about it's just a great example of that um how do you understand if you're subconscious or shadow focused we'll talk about that in the next season 17 episode the next live lecture that question is answered and uh but but yeah, I mean, technically, if they're really healthy, Jared, and they're, they have that multi-generational um, influence uh, in terms of parenting available to them, because honestly, one parent, two parents is not good enough to raise a child. It actually really does take a village. You hear about it, it takes a village to raise a child. That's a fact. It does. It actually takes a village, okay? The problem is, is that we're so xenophobic as a race, and you can thank the powers that be for that that they've destroyed, not only have they destroyed the nuclear family, but they destroyed the multi-generational family. They destroyed the tribal family, right? There's not much we could do about that, and it really sucks. You know what I'm saying? Um, ER is like, I'm an ESTP. I had a silent ISTJ dad and an ENFP mother who always made sure I wasn't bad like her ESTP dad was. It kept me using every child longer around her because when I'd use TI parent, she'd uh, have an SI inferior memory for ESTP dad. Well, that's great for child, 
but you don't really want to focus on developing the optimistic functions in a child. You want to focus developing the pessimistic ones because they're underdeveloped because the optimistic functions are not going to be able to handle trauma by themselves. Um, okay, and uh, uh, John Bodine, also thanks for revealing bits and pieces about your past. I know that is a little hard. It definitely helps understand you a little bit better. Be well. Um, ER says, do you think this can make me subconscious focused? Um, it, it can, it can make you subconscious focused uh, in that regard. Um, but you know, there's a lot of other neutral factors in there. If you've studied uh, the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, you might want to understand the concept of being monogamous to your mother. Uh, that may have some influence on that ER. Lev is in the house. Are there specific ways to parent each of the generations, like the parent generation teaching the child generation? Yes, there is. I haven't gotten there yet. That's basically additional episodes. That's, that's bonus episodes of season 23. Um, but fair enough. Um, I will, since you asked, I will make sure that um, it's actually put into the, um, it's actually put into the uh, schedule uh, for you, Mr. Lev, uh, later. Uh, how could trauma affect an INFJ? Well, they start cognitive looping and they're like, well, I think I want this. 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 And then they start making decisions based on that, regardless of the consequences of other people, regardless of their freedom of choice, harming other people around them. And then they also start alienating people because their, um, their decisions are socially irresponsible and making other people around them unsafe. Basically, I think I want to have sex with this guy. And then all of a sudden you get an STD. You see what I'm saying? The INFJ way, right? That's how trauma could affect an INFJ because, um, you know, that, that, is a, that is a trauma experience that they have as a result of their cognitive functions being underdeveloped, okay? This is why parenting is the most important thing. That's why fatherlessness is the most horrible thing because it's creating and fomenting the greatest disease that has plagued our race, ignorance. And this is why. And we end up having all of these problems, you know? This is why my life's purpose is just like the final two verses of the Old Testament. You know, he will turn the hearts of fathers to their sons and the hearts of sons to their fathers, or else I will strike the land with a curse. I highly recommend you check out Malachi chapter four. It's very important uh, to kind of understand that concept. Um, and uh, Amanda Lynn Gleason asks, what is the best way an INFP can recover from trauma? Basically, you have to learn how to do basically everything season 19 says and be confident within your own self and develop your pessimistic functions, but also develop your gateway functions. So um, talking about like becoming the best you, gateway functions and mastering cognitive transition and uh, reaching cognitive integration and enlightenment, awesome. But also to become the best parent, but also to become, uh, you know, to deal with, to have all the tools to deal with trauma and become strong within your own self, you got to develop your pessimistic functions as well. And that's why. Jennifer Mead asks, are traumatized individuals more likely to be unconscious focused? Not necessarily. It depends on whether or not they have their inferior function or their parent function developed, or if they have none of them developed, right? I didn't have any of them developed, but I ended up shadow focused. I've known someone who ended up had who didn't have either of them develop, but they ended up subconscious focus, for example. It can happen. It just really depends. There's so many factors in there, including birth order and the types of your parents and all that that affect your human nurture. So it's not necessarily some binary thing. It's like a dynamic, okay? Um, 
Derek Hill, you mentioned psychiatry. I was diagnosed with ADHD because I'm currently failing in high school due to constantly neglecting my homework. Yeah, it's probably because your your homework is anti your personality type. I think I'm an INTJ. Would that be NIFI or uh, SI demon? It. Uh, I mean, if you really are an INTJ, do you actually want to do that homework? Is it something you want to do? Do you actually want to achieve? Are you getting something out of achieving in school? What are you getting out of it? You see what I'm saying? Are you getting something that you actually want? If you really are an INTJ, are you being re- are you being rewarded by people for high performance? Because that's what an INTJ needs. They need to be rewarded for their high performance. Is that even happening to you? Um, and if not, if you're not being rewarded by your high performance, chances are you even forgetting it because it's not a priority to you. Therefore, because homework is not a priority to you, you don't do it. That's not because you have ADHD. It's just because you don't care. And you don't care probably because no one else around you cares that you do. Have you ever thought of that? You know what I'm saying? All right, Aaron Baker. Hi, Chase. How would an ISTP child with muscular issues in his hands transition to cope with his disability? He greatly desires to use his hands and create things, but is unable and becomes frustrated. Well, he needs to keep practicing. There's people who are deaf that became the greatest composers of all times. There's really no excuse. Keep practicing. Where there's a will, there's a way. And he's as any child. He can always get through it. Uh, Sarah Rushing, would, child, would trauma to a child from their parent have a stronger effect on children who share the same or opposing thinking function function as the parent? Uh, I can't say for sure because there's too many there's too many dynamics at play to know for sure. Um, wow, the dog like really wants to be on the show right now, and he's like he's so upset that he can't come here. You know what I'm saying? Um, and uh, okay, and three uh, X asks if one was sub focused and super ego focused in adolescence due to trauma as an adult. By the way, guys, super ego focus generally doesn't happen. You can reach superego focus if you're already unconscious focused. Usually unconscious focus. It can't happen with subconscious focus. But it's more so unconscious focus through drug use. If it's heavy, if you're unconscious focused plus have heavy depressant drug use or mind-altering substances, you can end up developing a form of superego focus. The other way around with subconscious, if you're subconscious focused but under heavy drug use with a bunch of stimulants, you could actually go into your superego as well and develop the neural pathways to become slightly superego focused, which can also be a problem. So there's different pathways right there to get through superego, but it usually has a lot to do with mind-altering substances, including psychotropic drugs that they give you at the psychiatric ward if you start going in there claiming you have depression. You know what I'm saying? That's still a problem because... You know, while those drugs may shut off certain gateways or shut off certain pathways to go to those behaviors, after a while and your brain has kind of worked around that, those drugs will create new pathways which will still lead eventually to your superego. It is not a permanent fix. And all those people out there that are still on Adderall for some reason, it's like, guys, it's an amphetamine. It's going to screw things up. Don't do it. It's going to be a huge problem. You know what I'm saying? So... Uh, yeah. And then, uh, color of the sky. How would an ENTJ with trauma or death of the father, uh, would act? I mean, again, that's, that's way too broad for me to answer. You'd have to bring in a lot more specifics in that for me to answer that specifically, because there's no way I could answer that question and be remotely accurate. Um, so anyway, folks, uh, thanks for all of your questions. Um, if you found this lecture useful, helpful, educational, enlightening, please subscribe to the channel here on YouTube. And uh, leave a like and a comment below if you have any questions relating to this particular episode. And uh, also, folks, uh, thank you all for your questions. 
and uh, it's been really fantastic. Uh, so, uh, and also check out my new uh, uh, CSJ response or CS Joseph response YouTube channel. We post a video on it every day. They're really short, kind of uh, made available for coffee time in the morning. So check them out and uh, they're pretty cool. And the channel is growing very, very rapidly. We just broke a thousand subscribers. If you wanna get in the first 2000 subscribers, I recommend you going over there and subscribing and hitting the alert bell while you're at it. So anyway, folks, with all that being said, you folks have a good night, and I'll see you guys next month for the next episode for Season 17.